0: The podcast of this local government meeting is brought to you by Michigan Radio. For more coverage of local government meetings and to find out how you can support this service, go to
1: michiganradio.org. Councilmember Fred Derhard III. Present. Councilmember Letitia Johnson.
2: Present.
1: Councilmember Gabriela Santiago Romero. Councilmember Mary Waters. Present. Council member Angela Whitfield-Calloway. <clears throat> Council member Coleman A. Young second. Here. Council President Pro Tem James Tate.
3: Here.
1: Council President Mary Sheffield. Present. You have a quorum present, Madam President.
4: All right, there being a quorum present, we are now in session and this is the public hearing for the Eastern Market uh, Corporation and the floor is yours.
5: Thank you, Council President. Thank you, and good afternoon, Council Members. I'm Dan Carmody, President of the Eastern Market Corporation, actually Eastern Market Partnership. And I'm joined today by...
6: Procola Brooks, Director of Accounting. Hit this. I'm sorry. Priscilla Brooks, Director of Accounting.
5: Thank you so much for having us.
7: Great.
5: Thank you. I'd like to uh, kind of give you an update on Eastern Market and then be happy to answer any questions. So... Um, we are the last great urban food district in the United States. Uh, I've had the pleasure for the last 16 years of um, managing the non that contracts with the city to manage your market on your behalf. During that time, I've watched uh, a couple of remaining markets disappear, the um, ones in Chicago and Washington, D.C. And our role as an urban food district is really three things that, I think, are unique to Eastern Market in the country. We're a wholesale center, crucial to a regional food economy. We're a place where people with limited means go to start a business or get a job. And we're a lively commercial district where everybody is welcome, regardless of their income, their walk of life, um, whatever other lines that tend to separate us, we come together at Eastern Market. Uh, In Washington, D.C., Union Market was a lot like us. Now they're mostly... uh, jungle of large uh, format condos and apartments. The Fulton Market area in Chicago was a lot like us 10 years ago. Today it's the global headquarters for McDonald's Corporation, it's the regional headquarters for a lot of dot com companies. Market districts are cool, and people want to live there, they want to work there, and we think they're so cool that we still want to make food there uh, and welcome people uh, in conversations around food. In many ways, Eastern Market is still the last urban food district in the United States because of the failure of commercial real estate in Detroit for 50 or 60 years. So it was easy to to keep a food district when there wasn't demand for other land uses. But we saw that changing, and that happened not just in the market itself, but actually the areas around the market as well. But in the mid-teens, we saw that changing in Detroit, and it was a good thing. So we need development. But all of a sudden, um, that cycle of urban real estate investment is what displaced all of those other markets in uh, market districts around the country. And so we began working uh, with the city, with the Detroit Economic Growth Corporation, with many partners, to figure out a strategy to make sure that eastern market could continue to serve those three core functions. We saw a small warehouse uh, pricing increase for buildings that used to go for 150 dollars or $250,000 now sell for $750,000 or $850,000. So how can we keep a next generation of food businesses uh, growing uh, that took advantage of reasonable price real estate in the market for 130 years? The areas around Easter Market had a lot of land vacancy, and we saw early on in, uh, in the strategy that we put together in 2015 called the Easter Market 2025 plan And later, the city took that strategy and adopted a framework plan in 2019 called the Greater Eastern Market Framework Plan. Both of those plans imagine a food innovation zone where newly constructed food businesses, a million square feet of food production space, not just maintain the 1,500 jobs that we have in the food processing and distribution sector, but actually double that number in 10 years. And so... Why have a food sector? Why is it important? One of the things it does, obviously we need to eat and obviously the pandemic revealed what happens when we're too dependent on just big, large food companies. When a beef packer goes down in Oklahoma and it shows up in shortages in Michigan, we know we're dependent on too few companies to do what used to be done by a lot more companies having a healthy food sector, also the food sector enjoys the highest percentage of entry-level living wage jobs that don't require a high school diploma. So if you're looking for an effective on-ramp to labor force participation, having a good, having a healthy food sector is a good, good thing to have. So this map shows sort of the location of where the public market is. Uh, thank you, by the way, in October, September, excuse me, you extended our management agreement uh, till June 30th, 2032. Uh, the core area, the, the green area is the part that most people associate with Eastern Market. The blue area is what we call the food innovation zone. It began this expansion as urban renewal with the Pepsi plant north of Mack Avenue, the market district. It continued in 2019 when Wolverine Packing Company added 140,000 square feet so that they could keep in the city of Detroit all of their operations which today employ about 800 people. Uh, They added a second fresh burger production processing line that enables them to, in a good week, produce as many as 16 million fresh burger patties for distribution coast-to-coast. That blue area has about 25 acres of development uh, land that was highly considered during the framework. The green... the yellow area is the greater eastern market area, and there's an area around the eastern markets impacted by our expansion. We want to make sure that the mostly low- and moderate-income residents that neighborhood, that they aren't displaced, just like businesses in the eastern market aren't displaced when the real estate conditions change. And so we have envisioned a, a, an integrated plan that not only allows for a million square feet of new production space, but also incorporates greenways and separates light industrial uses from residential uses so we can add... Uh, as many as 600 new housing units, uh, uh, both multi-family and some single-family. Uh, we talked about the, this, this is sort of the detail of that expansion area, that uh, in the fall of the year, in addition to extending our agreement, we also rezoned about 2,000 parcels, many of which were formerly zoned for residential purposes, are now in a new market MKT designation to enable the creation of these jobs in close proximity to where people live. Uh, but working with those neighborhood groups like uh, 4820711 uh, Grassroot Detroiters, working with groups like the Canada Black Club, working with groups like uh, Sweet Kingdom Missionary Baptist Church, working with many different new partners to make sure that this neighborhood improves over time as we expand into it with more food jobs. Um, That rezoning was an arduous test, and I'm glad to have it in the rearview mirror. And it's time to uh, think now about the first buildings that are going to come out of that. When it comes to wholesale trade of fruits and vegetables, we used to be monopolists until 1925. And from 1925 until 1950s, we were kind of oligarchs with the produce terminal on the city's southwest side. We've been sidelined and marginalized over the last 50 years. We still have a wholesale market Uh, And we privatized and centralized our food distribution system in this country more than the rest of the world. But the pandemic revealed what happens sometimes not good if if it's over-concentrated in too few few hands. So we have done a significant amount of research. Uh, We have a goal of building a new uh, 50,000-square-foot wholesale distribution center for our farmers that currently work out of our best 19th and early 20th century buildings, Buildings that don't have things called docks and refrigeration. Last year, the state of Michigan saw the strategic importance of supporting this project and invested $12 million to see that that happens. We hope to be uh, in the ground by this time next year in the expansion area, building a new home for our wholesale growers that have been served by the market since 1891. We Our volume at the wholesale market is about 30 million pounds a year. Last year, some of our farmers actually took a flyer on a pilot and moved to a distribution facility next to the market, and they saw about a 20% increase in volume because they had everyday access to refrigeration. We fully believe we'll be able to take our 30 million pounds of year produce and expand it into 100 million pounds a year, tripling our current uh, market share. We also have been piloting at the market a number of food preservation technologies, particularly freezing and fresh cut and some canning operations to give farmers not just a fresh market to sell into, but uh, four or five different markets to sell into. That's how we make Michigan growers more successful. and a sister project, we want to build next door to a distribution center as an expanded crop processing center to be able to triple the amount of food we're freezing, canning, and dehydrating, and otherwise preserving for use, so that Detroit and area residents can eat local 12 months a year. Um, we also work a lot with uh, urban growers. There's 2,000 of them that participate in Keep Growing Detroit's programs, which is headquartered in Eastern Market. There's a market garden there that distributes 2,000 to 2,000 farmers each year. Their transplants and their seeds serves as a collective Um, Many in that group have gotten together to form a Detroit Black Farmer Land Fund to help work with the land bank to see farmers get bigger in scale. And I can tell you that um, as we've tried to acquire sites on the city's behalf in the expansion area, aggregation of land into large quantities is a very difficult task in the city. If you can imagine getting to two acres on a farm, that's probably imaginable in neighborhoods with help from the land bank. But getting from two acres to a 10 or a 15 acre farm is probably beyond, beyond the reach in terms of expense and time. So one of the things that's kind of gone up the list for us in terms of looking long range at what our needs are, one big existential threat to Eastern Market is that mid-sized farmers uh, in the next 20 years may vanish if we don't take concrete steps to really replenish that quantity of people growing on 10 to 80 acres. And so we want to work collectively with urban agriculture, nonprofits, and partisans in the city to develop as close to the city as we can a place that's a, a farm of three to 400 acres where we could put a cohort of 10 or 15 growers who want to go from 2 acres to 20 acres and build our own next generation of mid-scale farmers that are a lot more diverse than the current mid-scale farmers that we have. Um, so... Uh, In Detroit, we have Planted, which has got a current 30,000-square-foot facility. We're working with them on possible expansion up to 90,000 square feet, and actually to have small plot producers across the street from high-technology producers is a great answer to the question of what does the future of food look like, because the answer is yes. We need a lot different ways of producing food in this country. We currently depend on the state of California for 50% of our vegetables, and there's any number of... Any number of environmental threats which undermine that resiliency. In places like New Jersey or Michigan that used to have a lot more vegetable production probably need to come back online to make sure that we have domestic supplies of fruits and vegetables available. And so we're happy to be at the front line of that major na- na- national conversation. Senator Stabenow and her role as chair of the Senate Ag Committee is a big supporter of the market and we're happy to have some of those conversations with senior leadership at USDA about what we can do to strengthen regional agriculture. We also at the market, if you didn't know it, work a lot on the last mile, trying to connect Detroit residents with fresh fruits and vegetables, the people that may not be able to get to Easter Market. We take Easter Market to them. We have a program called Easter Market Farm Stand that sets up in a non-pandemic kind of year, about 30 locations. We're back to about 20 now. And that's simply where we hire college-age students to take great product from our wholesale growers into neighborhoods that are not well served by grocery stores. Could be at local community neighborhood markets, could be at a neighborhood um, institution, and uh, we're happy to support people's better access to healthier food by doing that. We converted a lot of our uh, farm stand operations to food boxes during the pandemic, and we're happy to say that there's a lot of uh, uh, good corporate and philanthropic support to continue food boxes, Uh, You can actually now access uh, all of our Saturday market product if you still fear crowds and there's still a lot of lingering coronavirus around there. We have a program that you can go online, order your box, and drop off and stop by and put somebody to put it in your trunk for you. But one of the things we're proud about, one of our newest steps to help uh, particularly small urban farmers in Detroit, particularly black farmers, is working with a $2.5 million grant that we got from USDA through the Michigan Department of Education to source food boxes for students, vulnerable students' families' nutritional needs. Uh, We did this during the pandemic, and our model was we simply went uh, to our wholesale market, bought fruits and vegetables, put them in a box, distributed them to needy families. It was a great model. It helped a lot of our regional growers. In this particular case, we're actually working first with Detroit growers from the north end to source food from them. So we're meeting with them this time of year. If they wanna go from uh, an acre to two acres, but we're uncertain about where they might sell that extra product, we can tell them in April or March, I guess we can tell them, here's what we can buy and here's the price we can pay, and we can take some of that risk of expansion out so that it gives them a, a, a way to get from an acre to two acres, for example. And if weather intervenes, if they're not able to meet that production goal, we can still meet the delivery goal by going then to a, secondly to our wholesale growers and get the product then. But the idea is to first use it as a way to grow urban growers, and then secondly, fulfill the order if we have to by going to our traditional larger farmer's sources. We're very, we're very excited about that uh, new aspect. Um, one of the things in, in the history of Eastern Market I'm most proud about is the first part of the pandemic, when a lot of the produce and specialty distributors that are businesses around the market who distribute entirely to the hospitality industry found them sitting on millions of dollars of inventory with no market to sell it to. And at the same time, we had Detroit residents going to grocery stores that were faced with shortages. We put together a quick drive-through market on a Wednesday, and for eight Wednesdays we had traffic backed up six, seven blocks by people showing up to buy on behalf of their informal block clubs, a uh, trunkload of case goods from people that were heretofore selling it uh, to bars and restaurants that they couldn't sell it any longer. Um, the market core, as, as we went through the rezoning, you all know that there's a lot of desire to make sure that, as we've been guided by the infamous wisdom of an elderly citizen I ran into in 2007 who looked at me and said, sunny boy, welcome to Detroit. Make it better, but don't change anything. <laughs> and that's kind of what we've tried to do. Now, it's not easy. But that core area, uh, people do love. And it is going to change. All of those old brick buildings uh, that were food businesses can't stay food businesses, because they really can't be effectively converted into, to meet modern food safety standards. So we're going to see buildings that used to be breweries and, and cold storage turn into offices for iHeartRadio and new restaurants. And that's OK. We have to make sure we preserve some space in the core area for the, at below market rents to make sure we continue to incubate and accelerate that next generation of new food business. Those people who come without means that want to grow a business, we need to continue to support them. But we, need to, we will be having a more diverse, we need those old buildings put back into order so they don't fall down. So we'll have some more office, we'll have some more residential, we'll have some more retail. That's not a bad thing. We just got to make sure we have a balanced approach where we still have food and we still have affordable space so they don't lose businesses like uh, Louisiana Creole Gumbo, that, by the way, is staying and expanding. Oh, great. Yes, they have closed on their new location. It's two block and a half from where they were. They'll own it, and they'll have the ability to have uh, indoor dining, outdoor dining, and group dining in addition to what they have right now, which is just carry out at that location. So. Not, not a process that Joe went through without a lot of pain, but at the end of the day, it, it had the result that we all hoped and prayed for. Mm-hmm. So, um, we're in the midst of a $15.5 million fund campaign, um, which is all about a bunch of big projects, that are, including the distribution center, uh, including a new shed for, including four or five projects by other people that we have set the framework for by allowing for the expansion. Uh, It's a very detailed plan. I'm not going to get into the weeds on that today. But I wanted to tell you that there are four key columns to that um, work. And first is strengthening regional food systems. I talked about that a lot already. Second is about racial equity and affordability. And racial equity for us isn't just in this pillar. It permeates throughout all four columns. But we especially call out the work we're doing uh, in the racial equity space in this column. And it's tightly tightly tied to affordability so we're happy to be at the table right now for example with three different affordable housing developers working on four different projects all of which are aimed at families making between 30 percent and 60 percent area median income first project that's likely to go forward is a 53 unit workforce development project one two and three bedroom units uh, in the expansion area along st. Auburn as is part of the framework plan uh, that's going into a mixture round of 9% low-income housing tax credits in April, partnering with a company called Pivotal out of Cincinnati. This would be their first Detroit project. They have eight or nine projects around Michigan and their projects throughout the Midwest. Uh, we're working with the same developer on a similar-sized senior housing project on a former Campbell School site that we currently own. We're working with Uh, American Community Developers to see that they uh, follow through on the award that they won of a RFP for city-owned land on Division Street on the New Winter Cut. And then lastly, we're working with a non-profit housing developer out of Illinois that's done some supportive housing projects to look at a project that might become the home of refugee farmers from around the world who kind of come to this country and have no place to go to be farmers. We think that's another part of the solution, another way we can help work with 2,000 urban growers to bring education to bear on uh, how small plot producers can be more successful. This was inspired by a Kenyan family, excuse me, a Ugandan family that came to this country in the 90s. They moved to Ann Arbor. They were told not to be farmers. She became a nurse. He became an electrician. They did well, but they missed farming, and so they converted to Farming in Ann Arbor, they came to our market last year after they couldn't buy land in Ann Arbor. They bought land in Detroit. They've got a three-acre place to grow into this year. They're brilliant farmers, because they didn't have to learn how to be farmers. They were born farmers. And so there are others coming to this country in the same way. And we're looking nationally at 1.5% of the population are people called farmers, 70% of which are over the age of 65. So who farms next is kind of an important question. Enhancing the market, enhancing the market district, two things there. One is we've got to reduce the cost of operating the public market. So we want to put solar on rooftops to reduce our utility expense. We want to convert some of our parking lots to green stormwater management for the good of the planet and also to reduce our stormwater management fee. Um, lastly, um, I will be here 17 years when I leave at the end of next year, 2024. And we have a team in place. We were uh, fortunate to bring um, uh, Dietrich Noer onto our team as president of our real estate development subsidiary after the city of Detroit shamelessly pilfered David Tobar to run the Joe Lewis Greenway project. Just joking.
8: Uh,
5: Dave is a perfect person to, to lead the Greenways initiative, and we miss him, but we welcome um, Dietrich to his place, and then in April. Uh, a new president will join Eastern Market partnership. Until the time I leave, I will become chief executive officer. But this ramp up in activity is—it's great to have three people doing the work, which eventually can be done by two, because we've got some serious projects to get in the ground between now and the time uh, I hope to leave, good Lord willing. Um, you know, we—we we are the. Largest concentration of small business, I think, in the city, 650 businesses, 500 under the sheds, another 150 around the sheds. Mostly food, but the Sunday market, which is mostly about stuff, is 70% women owned, 60% um, African American, and 50% Detroit residents of the 120 vendors that make mostly not food stuff. So it's an important demographic that we want to continue to serve and expand our services to. In interested time, I'm going to skip over our little personal interest vendor stories. But we continue to, wait, to look to ways to celebrate our vendors, to tell their stories, and help them do better in business. This is one of our new urban growers who came to market last year, Rufuna Ortega, from Ortega Farms on the southwest side. Uh, We support the incubation of food-making businesses. Our kitchen in Shed 5 supports 18 to 20 of those kind of businesses. We have two different accelerators, a co-packing facility where 35 businesses have someone else make their products when they start to sell and they can't keep up. We also have converted, as part of this transition time in real estate in Detroit, 16,000 square feet of space into production suites for companies that have grown out of a shared-use kitchen. So we got Lush Yummies, we got a jam and jelly maker called Gus Gray, we got an ice cream maker, we have a a falafel burger uh, pending. We have these companies that want to grow and we've provided below market cost production spaces with support from philanthropy to help them grow. We have two more coming, a million dollar grant from US HUD will enable us to build a custom grain mill for farmers from the thumb who grow organic wheat right uh, wheat uh, barley and spelt and next door we'll put a shared use incubator kitchen uh, bakery to enable people to use those grains as well as the distilleries and breweries in the market district that's Jennifer Lyle with fresh lush Yummies. Uh again we want to make sure the market stays a place where everybody feels welcome we manage the market every day to, to that end um, trying to make sure that the products and, and diversity of vendors reflects de- as best we can the city of Detroit. But we have to pay increasing attention to the business mix in the neighborhood to make sure that, again, we serve a wide range of household incomes, not just the affluent. Uh, We also have to keep those smaller food businesses in the core area that we can. We talked about housing. Private sector is going to build a substantial amount of market rate housing in the market. How can we ensure that everybody is able to live in the market, regardless of whether they're at 30% or 180% of area median income? Very important to keep our reputation as a place where everybody is welcome. Um, a lot of storytelling, a lot of great stories. If you haven't seen this, this is a mural on Gratiot Avenue. It's by an artist who, li- who moved into one of those neighborhoods on the edge of East Market that had lost a lot of housing over the last 40 years. And it's really about how the last two residents of that block live in two, two of the three houses. He lived in the third. And it's about how those, those two families had each other's back. It's a pretty profound image, I think. Um, moving, We do want uh, to you know, take another look at Shed 4, which is a project that was on my list in 2008 that we never got to. And we think the time is right now to maybe look at that. So part of our campaign is actually putting together the serious due diligence to know what a current shed forward would look like and how we might build the capital deck to build it. We talked about the transition coming and making sure that we have the organization to continue the work because uh, while it, we've seen some success over the last few years, this is something that's going to take a long time. Um, if you could boil everything we do down in one sentence, I would simply say it's uh, – we shepherd this rich history to nurture a Detroit that's healthier, wealthier, and happier. And I'm going to stop there. And just from a financial standpoint, I just want to share with you that you know uh, we are appreciative of this year's support, which was uh, $280,000 for operations and $350,000 for capital. We're thankful that the mayor has recommended another round of capital financing of $350,000. That will um, enable us to really get all of those major shed improvements that we did in 08 and 12 and 15 sheds 2 3 and 5 to make sure that we take care of major repair items on them so that we may extend the useful life of those major improvements we made uh, a decade ago and more um, and with regard to operating support we did request $300,000 an increase of 75 from what we uh, from the baseline which was 225 which which we've been getting Previous to last year's uh, one, which we thought was a one-year-only increase, the reason we would like to uh, requ- humbly request uh, 300 for this year is two things. One is um, we've had great success in attracting state and federal support, 15 million in excess of 15 million dollars, 12 million from the state so far. Three grants, four grants from the feds in excess of three million dollars. Um, that's the good news the bad news is we spent money and due diligence and feasibility studies to get that grant funding and we're pretty close to having our first two grant agreements but we haven't seen any of the money yet so there's a timing dislocation that makes it difficult for us to keep things going strong when we're waiting for some of those uh, reimbursement based grants to come in the second uh... thing is we our annual fundraising goals last year, we didn't meet as much as we might have because we did take some time out and built a more comprehensive approach through this 15.5 million authentic Easter Market Fund campaign. So we're beginning to get traction. We're beginning to get the support of longtime supporters for that campaign, which has taken a little bit longer. So we need a bridge to get from where we are today uh, to uh, deeper giving uh, to support this expanded uh bit of work and uh, we're confident by this time next year we'll be able to go back to the 225 sort of benchmark but one more year at an elevated level would be very helpful to make sure that we don't lose any momentum. With that I'd like to wrap it up and open it up for any questions you might have. I did, We did get some questions from um, uh, Legislative Affairs, uh, they're attached to the program. Uh, with uh, this year's budget, and I think I tried to hit on most of the questions as I went through. So happy to follow up with any.
4: Yep. Thank you so much, uh, Mr. Carmody. We appreciate you. And did did I hear that you are retiring next year? Well,
5: it's another 18 months. So let <laughs> not let's not break out the champagne well, quite well, yet. We, we
4: definitely will be doing that for you, Mister, because uh, you have worked extremely hard. I know since I've been on council, your passion for the Easter Market. Um, It's just amazing so we appreciate the work that you do and I just want to you know as this is in district 5 speak to the importance of um, the authenticity of the market you know I hear stories my grandmother tells me all the time about how she travels down and still gets her eggs her fresh eggs to this day Uh, and so it's just a lot of memories there and I just think as investment comes that we continue to make sure that we keep the market authentic to what it naturally was so My quick question um, is regarding page eight. I think this is page eight, where you talk about enhancing the nearby Uh residents. Uh Where you talk about uh, enhancing the nearby residents' quality of life. Uh, You mentioned Kenyatta Block Club, 48207 Grassroots. Can you just speak a little bit more about what the plan is to enhance the quality of life for the neighborhoods that are budding the, uh, the market?
5: So we don't actually have a specific plan. What we what we do have is deepening relationships with five different neighborhood groups and trying to understand how they perceive of improving the quality of life in their neighborhood. So, for example, with Canilla Block Club, we help them get a uh, uh, KIPD grant from Kresge, and they're working on a public green space project uh, mm-hmm. up on St. Alban. With Grassroots Detroiters, we help them secure some funding to do emergency home repairs for particularly seniors in, in the neighborhood. Um, We work with a group um, affiliated with Sweet Kingdom uh, called Freedom Dreams, which is a number of nonprofits that wants to build some tiny housing for Vietnam vets. So we're at the table. We don't think it's our role to tell people how they want to improve their quality of life. It's our role to help them build their capacity so that we can together build the, the quality of life in the neighborhood.
4: All right. Thank you. No, I just think it's important. I know that most of them were very supportive of the zoning, the rezoning changes, hoping that some of that would uh, come over into their neighborhood as well, too. And so I just want to make sure that they are benefiting from the investment that is taking place in the eastern market. Uh, and then lastly, I just want to touch on some of the rezoning that has taken place. And I know there has been discussion regarding uh uh, marijuana facilities being within the Eastern market. So, can you just update us on some of those conversations? I know ultimately City Council will have to make that decision, but if you could just speak to some of the discussions that have taken place yeah. from stakeholders, the board, regarding the future of that particular use within the Eastern market.
5: Yeah, I think our position has stayed pretty constant. We, we are in favor of uh, allowing some uh, cannabis production and sales to happen. Um, without overwhelming the market district, so you know we 're conscious of uh, some places in the city where it 's been sort of inundated with um, cannabis businesses that would not serve the authenticity of market mm-hmm. very well, mm-hmm. but cannabis is a product of the land just like beer and spirits are, and so we think that having production is entirely reasonable uh, as long as it 's not prolific. All
4: right. All right, thank you. Uh, we will go to questions. Council Member Durha.
2: Thank you, Madam President, and uh, good afternoon, Dan. Uh, good to see you, as always. Uh, although uh, Eastern Market is not in my district, uh, I've had uh, the pleasure of serving on the board, uh, and this has been a great, learning more about the market, learning more about the communities, uh, meeting with some of those community leaders, uh, and those groups as well. I've seen been really engaged with them, helping them get funds that they didn't have access to. Uh, and the board has done that as well. And, and I think that story needs to be told. Uh, When we talk about that connection in the gym, otherwise known as the greater eastern market area, the community portion, Uh, the board has done an amazing job at that. So I do want to take my hats off to you guys for that. Um, I don't have many questions. Obviously, Uh, I sit on the board just as Member Johnson does. And so we kind of know the answer to a lot of those questions. Uh, But I I do want to talk about the expansion, particularly Shed 4, uh, how important that is. Uh, and again, Member Johnson and I know that, uh, but you know, just to articulate to the rest of our colleagues how important that expansion is, expansion is and what we look or what it will look like if it is to uh, to be expanded.
5: Yeah. So the expansion is is really critical. It's a million square foot of new food production space. Um, EW Global. Uh, we believe it will be the first project, and it's about 140,000 square foot. It's about 300 jobs. That will happen at the north end of the expansion area, um, basically at De Quinter, just south of Canfield. We're looking at the south end to be able to site both uh, the building we should be able to get built with the state support, the distribution center of about 50,000 square feet, but the paired facility that we have just begun to look for funding for it for the uh, regional crop processing center. Those, they're meant to be a team. That will anchor the south end and we're hopeful that our first project, the distribution center, and the 53 units of affordable housing will be built almost next door to it, separated by a greenway. Hopefully that can come together and be start to be built next year so that people can see how this expansion area should roll out over time. We can't build, a, you know, it'll take us 10, 15 years to build the full market area out, but we think the first, Three major projects can be in the ground uh, as early as next year. The Shed Four project really finishes what we started in 2007 with the full-scale renovations of Sheds Two, Three, Five, and Six. We skip Four because it is a fairly nominal, uh, inconsequential building. We lose a lot of money. We put leave money on the sh- on uh, uh, on the table from November to the end of March when we can't accommodate indoors, the number of vendors that we have, and it's too cold to to be outdoors. So the idea is to build an enclosed shed problem when you use your cell phone as a hearing tool and someone calls you. Uh, um, Our our goal is to have an enclosed shed for, so you'd have enclosed enclosed shed, enclosed shed, enclosed shed, which will give us more earned revenue from vendor fees. It will also be the smallest indoor shed, so about 15,000 square foot. And the opportunity there is to really greatly increase our event revenues, which we ran out sheds three and five, and that's about a half a million dollar a year line item in our budget. So, a lot more smaller events than there are bigger events, so we think that that shed can also bring on a significant amount of new earned revenue that way. We envision a couple of floors of office above this shed, one to be leased to someone who wants to help finance the project by paying the highest possible market rates, and the second floor would be a uh, sort of center for urban, urban regional, urban food systems with our offices, but more importantly, offices for a national nonprofit that's food-related that has interest in relocating from elsewhere in Michigan to Detroit, and also conceivably a couple of offices that the USDA is talking about of, of having in Detroit. So to have a a brain trust of folks working on urban food systems, uh, greater than just Eastern Market, at the heart of the market, is part of that vision. And again, our fundraising goal is to find two hundred fifty thousand uh, dollars to hire architects to do the detailed amount of work needed to get an actual construction price, and then be able to put together that capital stack as. Uh, perhaps there's opportunities with some ARPA projects not going forward in the near future. Thank you for that. And
2: and, and again, uh, you know, the, the se- I'm going into my second question, so I'll include it, but you should mention, what's that gap that exists with the fundraising? Um, and then also, I'm going into my second question. Uh, the second question is talking more so about what are the needs? You know, identify, could you please uh, explain and identify some of the needs relative to infrastructure uh, within the market. As we talk about expanding throughout the market, b- building new developments, there are still some infrastructural challenges that exist within the market. Could you touch on those a little bit as well as, uh, again, the cost of, of the Shed 4 that needs help uh, as
5: far as the gap is concerned? So Shed 4, um, our preliminary capital stack looks like we had about a $5 million gap. And that's very preliminary. We don't want to bring that forward until we have baked that much more than we have. Um, There are a number of other sources we think that that project will uh, be able to attract, probably a $25 million project altogether. Um, With regard to infrastructure, uh, the city has been working with um, projects in the Eastern Market. So the first phase uh, is going into design right now, I believe, is the uh, connection of Ryapel, where it ends at Romo Cafe to reconnect it so it goes through all the way to Mack. Um, that also includes the widening of Erskine Street uh, so that it uh, is, is wide uh, all the way across Marlene's to Russell. That project also would include the uh, repair and uh, renovation of St. Aubin Street from Mack to Canfield and Illinois Street from Mack, from St. Auban to Dequinder and uh, Alexandre from St. Auburn to De Quinder to prepare the site where EW Global would build its new facility. So that project is funded. They're working on an interagency agreement and getting ready with the design work. The next big uh, improvement in the neighborhood, the expansion area, would be actually creating Dubois Street to be a truck route so that we get trucks off of St. Auburn. And that's a project that um, the city is starting to look for capital sources for that project at this point. Uh, okay. The third the third infrastructure piece, I would say, is continuing in the core area, trying to improve the basics, sidewalks. Um, you know, we have done three rounds of streetscape work. Um, part of it, the federal funding that the city got that paid for the second phase of the new cut also did a lot of Russell Street. Uh, streetscape and parking lot work second phase we funded with some guilt money from Wells Fargo for the uh, 2008 financial crisis meltdown and then the city uh, did a third phase by uh, Street that helped really create a cool two-block area without a curb for uh, East America Brewing Company and Detroit City Distillery and others to participate in a very active street and so we do have some new investment coming that could we could use some nominal support. So I know that there's an increase in the amount of money for sidewalks around the city. We we respectfully request a, a, a bit of that. We don't have a specific ask for that. Yet.
2: Okay, and 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 again, I, I appreciate you explaining that. Um, you know, there is a need as, as they grow down there to to fix some of the infrastructure. One of the oldest commercial districts that we have in the city of Detroit, uh, and with the great plans that we have to increase. Diversity even amongst uh, folks who do business down there. Uh, We want to ensure that it's a place that's sustainable uh, As well and so uh, with that madam president, I'd like to make a motion to put the eastern markets budget into executive session uh, to discuss particularly the operational side uh, of uh, Continuing some of this funding from the previous fiscal year as well as infrastructure and capital uh, improvements
4: Thank you motion has been made any objections Hearing none, that action will be taken. Thank you, Member Durhall Member Johnson?
9: Thank you, Madam President. Uh, good, good afternoon. Uh, it is a privilege to serve on the Eastern Markets Board. Um, and, Mr. Carmody, I just want to say that we truly appreciate your commitment to the market, um, your commitment to making sure that it continues to be a place for inclusionary programming Um, that it maintains its authenticity and that we limit as much as possible um, gentrification in the market. So that is truly appreciated. And I know you do a lot of work uh, and the team does a lot of work to ensure that happens. Um, So in the essence of time, I'm just going to ask one question and it is relative to the zoning update that happened last year. Um, Can you talk a little bit about how eastern market the Eastern Market business community has received the zoning update, and if you can identify or even quantify the fiscal impact of the zoning update
5: so it's a little bit early I think to quantify the fiscal a- impact other than um, there is a healthy flow of projects not moving particularly quickly with construction costs being what they are but there, there, the, the rezoning happened and there, there was you know it took a while, there was some honest disagreement over some of the pieces of the zoning ordinance. I, I really haven't, once it got settled, uh, I haven't heard one sort of peep out of, you know, it, the folks that it was gonna cause uh, a lot of harm to, um, most of that was uh, perhaps a little bit over dramatized, I think, um, but not, there's no perfect land use uh, regimen. And I think there was a sincere desire to use land use controls as we could to ensure the authenticity, knowing that that's not the only tool, and knowing that we don't want to make it, you know, it's not easy to do projects anywhere, and it's not easy to do projects in Detroit. We didn't want to make it any more difficult. And I think the zoning actually was pretty well balanced at the end of the day on that. Okay.
4: Excellent. Thank you. Thank you, Madam President. All right. Thank you, Member Johnson. Member Young.
3: Thank you so much, Madam President, through you to Mr. Connery. Mr. Connery, thank you, sir. Always good to see you, doing a good job over there. I just wanted to ask you very quickly, and I'm very encouraged by what you said about marijuana, and you know, kind of piggyback off what the President asked about that. I'm very encouraged about that because I know there's some people that are in the area that have been wanting to do that for a very long time, and so I think that's a real good thing with this and others. Um <clears throat> But I wanted to ask you uh, specifically, because you talked about hydroponic farming, and I wanted to ask you, does that include uh, hemp
5: at all? I, I, not in this. Of that? To my knowledge, um, it is just an expansion of their, basically their salad, their greens production. Right. That, you know, I, whether that can change over time, I, they have not expressed any sentiment to that.
3: Desire to do that? Okay. Because cause, cause hemp is a little bit different in terms of marijuana, in terms of THC, in terms of, you know, how, you know, a little bit, de- yeah, yeah. It's, it, and it can be used for lots of different, you know, things in terms of rope and shoes. And, you know, if you can even make batteries out of it. Um, and there has been some discussion we're talking about going from lithium to going to uh, batteries that are made out of, you know, the stalk or, or the root from cannabis. So I think that's a real, you know, different type of thing overall. Um, you also brought up the issue... Of, um, you also brought up the issue of economic development in terms of jobs, in terms of the agricultural, you know, area that there, I think it's so rare to have that bustling agricultural area right in the heart of the city. Do you know how many people are working there currently? Do you know how many? What percentage of that is Detroiters? And with this budget, do you know how that number plans to increase in the future and how much that would cost? Because it seems that your FTEs are going down a little bit.
5: So um, 6,400 people work in the market district altogether. Okay. And 1,500 of them are in food processing and distribution. Yeah. That's the area that we think there's significant growth opportunities for. One thing that um, both... Wolverine's fresh burgers and Groble's corned beef, which I think you all know I'm Irish. I think you know that corned beef is a Detroit tradition. You may not know that EW global uh, Effectively today is at the end of its annual cycle where it starts in September and puts into cold storage 350 semi loads of corned beef that are distributed between the 15th of February and yesterday to Sam's Club and Walmart distribution centers and will all be sold by March 18th. Um, Now, why that's interesting for Detroit isn't related to corned beef or St. Patrick's Day. What's interesting is that Walmart is one of the global leaders in logistics. And they determined after Global asked them should we just distribute to you and you can put it in your system and then it's more effective national distribution? And Walmart ran the numbers and said, no, you're as good to distribute it from Detroit nationally as anybody, as anywhere in the country. So while we don't have room in the expansion area for someone who wants to build a 250,000-square-foot hemp facility, we are looking for people that either want to do something to strengthen the regional food economy Or somebody that has a specialty product that in a 50 to 75,000 square foot building you could build one facility to serve the whole country That's that's the opportunity we have so To answer your question um, We want to double that number 1,500 new jobs uh, in the food processing side We think we can we haven't done as much an economic analysis on the non food processing side Obviously the commercial growth of the neighborhood is going to add jobs as well $15.5 million that we propose, and I have a summary that I can send out to you all if you're interested, details how that would leverage $275 million of investment in other projects and with an attempted guess at where that funding would come from. Some of them are more advanced than others, but I'd be happy to share that with you.
3: Yeah, I would really appreciate that. Do you do you know what the percentage of Detroiters working jobs in Eastern Market is? Uh, the food processing
5: sector—it's about fifty-five percent. So fifty-five percent of those are Detroiters. But the, the, the only ones I can really rely on are the larger employers because they okay. actually the, the onesies and twosies are just hard to get that information.
3: And, and and do you have a number of the wages overall? Fee level. Of-
5: Wage that I talk or the about average here. wage is the people who work there I'm not sure the average I can tell you that the entry-level What I call entry-level yeah. living wage job is $22 an hour. Yeah, no. I, I
3: just had one more question you know, that, if that, yeah, if that's if that's okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I just want to know um is mr. Is mr. Todd available? online At all I saw him outside. I don't know if he went online or not. All right,
4: um You want me to come back? No, let me just see. Paris, uh, do you see Director Todd online? Council President. Tom on
3: the No,
4: I don't see him in. online.
3: You don't
4: see him? Okay. No, I uh, don't it's not strong, but if, if we can get him, he can. Come, we can come yeah, back. Yeah,
3: if he can get online or you want to bring him in here. I just had some questions for him involving uh, hemp in... Um, and what the legal process would be involving a hemp in an the Eastern market.
4: Okay, we'll come back to you. Is that okay? okay?
3: That's fine. Okay. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Thank you. Uh, Member Pro Tate.
3: Uh,
2: negative comments. Uh, never to, uh, my questions have been responded. Thank you. Thank you for being here. All
4: right. Thank you, Pro Tem. Council Member Waters.
2: Thank you, uh, Madam
6: President.
4: Hello.
5: Good afternoon.
4: <laughs> Boy, I, I tell
6: you, you've got a lot of things going on over there. Try to keep, <laughs>
5: keep, we try to keep our knitting fully
6: occupied. <laughs> We're going to keep you. We're not going to let you go. So, but I'm, I'm excited about um, even the uh, development, and especially when you talk about the AMI, 30 to 50% area. Um, so everybody's asked a whole bunch of questions already. Um, so I'll just a- ask you two quick things. One, if, um, if you wanted to ask right now, the state or the federal government, for any assistance of you going after a grant, or whatever the case might be, what would that be?
5: That would be for a similar grant like we got from the state to build the crop processing facility. Uh, We believe that, we know that USDA in June 1st of last year announced a $600 million program to support regional processing that wasn't meat or dairy Mm -hmm. because they already had, had funded some of that. And they haven't yet announced how they're going to deploy that 600 million. So that would be our number one ask.
6: Is that for both for state and federal?
5: That would be a federal source.
6: But yeah, okay. So, so I know we're going to miss Stabenow, aren't we? <laughs> well, are we actually,
5: in that case, we're working more with her—not her staff, but the staff of the Senate Ag Committee.
6: Okay. Is it all right? Okay. All right. So, okay.
5: One so thing I, I haven't I, talked about with regard to significant needs is to complete land acquisition of the expansion area.
6: To complete land acquisition. Yeah,
5: we have been at it. We've spent about $4 million that we got from philanthropy. The city is obviously the biggest owner in that. We have a, you guys have approved a plan where any subsequent sales will recycle the funding to help complete that. That's a great start. But we have about 5 to $11 million to really... $11 million would basically complete all side acquisition in the first three areas of the Expansion area. Oh,
6: so about 11 million dollars. Right. Oh, okay. All right, so All right, then I just want to ask you quickly about the uh, this um, the farmer from uh, Uganda Uganda, yeah um, The three acres. Where is that?
5: It's, uh, just a, It's right next to I-96. I can't remember what the cross street was It's sort of just shy just one side or other of uh, sort of new Boston Boston Edison.
6: Boston Edison area. Yeah. Oh, maybe in D five.
5: I can get that. I can get that for you. Just...
6: <laughs> That's definitely. You know it's where? Not it t- it's
5: not D town. No, I, I, it's right along the freeway.
6: <laughs> right along the freeway.
5: And I, I can get you an address.
6: Oh, okay. Yeah, I, I'd like to know the address. I'm, I'm going to go by there and take a take a look at it. Um, but you know, I live down the street from Eastern Marcus. So I always like to point that out. That is my neighborhood. <laughs> Madam President, uh-huh. All right, thank so <laughs> All right, the, thank, it's always good to see you. Thank you so much.
10: Thank you, Madam President.
4: Thank you, member Waters. Member uh, Benson.:
10: Thank you, Mr. Carmery, thank you all for being here. You guys do a great job in Eastern Market. It's really glad to see that it's maintaining its uh, high-level standards, and you all are really expanding and being forward-thinking about how we keep it as a uh, priority food. Manufacturing production space and the expansion is also just really glad to see that it is staying a place where families want to come and, and bring their children and it's still a family friendly location. So, just really want to congratulate you and thank you for that. I don't have any questions.
5: Thank you. Thank you, Councilmember. All right, thank you,
4: Member Vincent. And Member Calloway is fine. Okay, thank you. All right, so that will conclude our hearing. I know Member Young stepped out, so. We will proceed to public comment, and if Mr. Todd does join us, we'll bring him on. So we can go directly to our public comment. How many hands do we have raised? Yep. Madam President, we have five hands raised online. All right. And everyone will have two minutes for public comment. Our first caller.
9: first callers african
11: town in eastern market first
4: all right good afternoon
11: good afternoon thank you for taking my comment we'd like to um
1: uh, you know it's a, it's amazing how uh, our homes get stolen and then you want to offer refugees uh from out of out of town Uh, to come in and get the homes that you stole from the refugees you made in Detroit. A note to the refugees for for the Eastern Market Guy. Um, uh, Also for the historical museum. We'd like for the historical museum uh, to give the history of Detroit prior to the colonizers and prior to the French call it Détroit. Black people lived here before white colonizers. And we need to make that known. Maybe we won't be bamboozled into uh, uh, dealing with this Uh, uh, narrative that we're dealing with now, like white people are giving us something. This is our city. It was our cities before the colonizers came. We want to see, um, we want to see a black shed for black farmers and black business people in Eastern Rock. And for uh, historical, we want to see uh, uh, exhibits on Black enslavement of the indigenous Black people who were already here before the French came, that uh, uh, enslaved our people who were already here. That's the Quinder, John R., and uh, uh, Livernois, and all of these other enslavers. We want to see um, history about the Black Studies Department and uh, uh, universities, independent Black schools movement. Aisha Shule, African Center Education established in the 90s, the Black broadcasting history like WGPR, WCHB, uh, WJZZ, Black uh, Detroit Public Schools Broadcasting, WDTR 90.9 FM, the African Center Education that we established in, in the 90s. That's what we want to see at Detroit historical museum. We want to see you go into the real history so we can stop being bamboozled and made people think that we didn't have anything here.
4: All right, thank you so much. The next
0: caller is Betty A. Varner.
12: Good afternoon, this is Betty A. Varner, born and raised in the city of Detroit proud resident of District 7. I'm here again to ask consideration from the Honorable Counsel and Madam President to, as you go through your uh, budget process, if you would take some consideration for the seniors and people with disabilities to help us uh, with the challenges that we have in remaining in our homes. Uh, we need help with ramps. Uh, Uh, handrails, uh, interior items in our homes to help make it safe, including walk-in showers. Uh, Some of us have been invested in our communities for years, and we're doing the work to continue to improve and beautify our um, neighborhood and communities. We uh, love the areas and our neighborhood. We're just seeking help. We are committed. Some of us have lived in our home for years and years, and we've invested in our neighborhoods. And now we have a challenge. We're on fixed income, some of us. And you have seniors throughout the city of Detroit who are having the same challenges. So I'm humbly asking you to please consider the seniors and people with um disabilities to help us be safe in our home and and be able to continue to be in the neighborhoods that we love. Thank you.
4: Thank you, Ms. Varner. And we appreciate you and looking forward to the housing and revitalization departmental hearing. Uh, we have submitted your questions in writing as well too. So we appreciate you uh, calling in and your comment is noted. So thank you so much.
11: Thank you. The next caller is Motor City
13: Rue. Shit. Hey, y'all heard the two ladies before me speak, and they were uh, pointing with their assertions. Mary Sheffield, James Tate, Scott Benson, there is precedent here in Detroit for stopping improper and illegally issued municipal bonds. There's precedent. And Mike, crafty Mike, knows what I'm talking about. Now, Kanisha Coleman did not shoot herself. And I say that and repeat it, she did not shoot herself and y'all know it. Now y'all gonna keep on playing with it and keep that suicide tag on it. Mimi asked for what she asked for. Now it's hundreds of millions of dollars of municipal bonds has been issued illegally here in the city of Detroit. Mary, James and Scott, y'all approved these bonds, right? The payments on them are illegal as well. You can't have payments on bonds that are illegal without them being illegal payments. Now Crafty Conrad and Crafty Mike then decided that they wanna um a file a lawsuit against Bishop. He's gonna warn him of the things. Marvin and Sr., and perfecting church for being a nuisance in the community and that's straight BS. Now, once again, there's precedent for the stop of payments on illegally and improperly issued municipal bonds. Crafty Mike know all what I'm talking about because uh, ask him about it. Now, y'all going to go in the closed session to talk about the bonds. When is that hearing coming up that I requested? Mary Sheffield, and when is the hearing coming up that Malik Shelton requested, Fred Durhall? And Angela, you're a lawyer. Why don't you explain to him how illegal that bond issue was not notifying the public?
4: All right, thank you, uh, Mr. Crowley. The next caller is Marguerite Maddox.
11: Good afternoon, Miss Maddox. Y'all prompted me to
4: uh... Okay, we've already yeah, we've already heard from Mr. Crowley.
0: It looks like Miss Maddox dropped off. The next hand is William M. Davis.
4: All right, Mr. Davis, good afternoon.
14: Uh, good afternoon. Can you can I be heard?
4: Yes,
14: you can. Okay. First off, I'd like to talk about um, the the Church Historical Society and the Museum. Um, I used to enjoy going there. I still do. Uh, I, I started going there in the late seventies, early eighties when I was living on campus. I think it's a ex- excellent institution and it should be well supported. But I do think that they uh, should do a little bit more advertisement especially with black publications and black businesses you know they need to be reinvesting in the black community more than what they have been uh also as it relates to eastern market i love eastern market i enjoy going there uh but the only problems i've had with them when they it appears if somebody down there was trying to get rather bert's place and get kick Burt out and i hope in their dreams for expansion that they don't displace Black businesses or black residents in that area, you know, we, we need to make sure that black businesses and black residents—I'm not talking about people of color—say black people, black residents, and black businesses get the support they need to be getting from the city of Detroit, in, in all aspects. Far too often, you know, y'all want to give money to people just from anywhere and everywhere, other than you know, le- legacy Detroiters. Um, also, as always, um, you know, I, I, I push and promote black businesses being president of Detroit chapter National Action Network, but also being president of Detroit Active Retired Employee Association, among the other groups I'm in charge of. I, I think that the city of Detroit needs to be looking at ways to help city Detroit retirees this year. Thank you. Right.
4: Thank you, Mr. Davis.
0: Okay, Miss Maddox, you can go ahead
11: and unmute. Yes. All right, good. Can you hear me okay?
4: Yes, we can, Miss Maddox.
11: Okay, thank you. Okay, my my internet kept going in and out. Number one, there's there's the the historical the museum have have a barrier system a barrier for people who are visually impaired. And, and with the Eastern Market Project, they don't to fix the, the seventy five overpass because, um, both sides. And the ramp is sinking below, below the below the other pass system, and it needs to be fixed right away. Thank you. I'm done.
4: All right. Thank you so much, Miss Maddox. And we can um, definitely get more information around the. Um, I 75 I think you mentioned the bridge there and some infrastructure issues. So we will get that from you miss Maddox And the bridge. Oh the Braille. Okay, thank you. Thank you, protein
0: Madam president the last caller is phone number ending in five three four
11: All right
4: All right. Good afternoon. Caller five,
8: three, four, Ms. Warwick. Yes. Hello. May it be heard?
4: Yes, you can.
8: Okay. First of all, I'd like to say, Mr. Irving Corley, that was disgraceful. Mary Sheffield wanted to do the right thing and let us do public comment after the last hearing. And I saw you gesturing. No, 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 don't do it. That was
11: just disgraceful.
8: Now, who keeps lowering the hands for people raising their hands? And you got to give people more time to raise their hand to give public comment. Remember, you work for the people, not all the developers. And oh, oh, they're, they're, oh I know there's a big expansion plan for uh, Eastern Market because I heard about it at the Land Bank. Even Duggan's buddy from Oakland County. Uh, A millionaire lady was was concerned about holding land for such a long time, and then they tried to tell the Southeast Indian health people, oh, they couldn't hold land for seven years. Oh, I called them up and said, yes, they can. Now... Ms. Johnson, you talked about inclusionary programming. Well, wouldn't inclusionary planning be nice instead of Ram North End landing? I call North End loathing down our throats in the lower North End. Does our mental health matter to any of you? Is this really diversity, equity, and inclusion? Like, put your actions where your mouths are, please. And is this part of the Bloody Run Creek expansion? Is that what this is? Because they want to recreate Bloody Run Creek, and is that why that area has been decimated? People pushed out, probably mysterious fires and purposeful bulldozing. All this needs to be put in the historical museum. In addition to the Manhattan Project collapse into the Detroit River and the fact that you all voted for a 7-2 to confidentiality agreement, probably because the city was negligent and didn't uh, hold them to their development agreement, and then the site collapsed into the river and we all could have been flinted. Do we matter? To you, they lied to the people in Flint. They lied to the people in East Palestine, and I bet you they're lying to us here in Detroit. And so, really, folks, when is it going to be about? All
4: right, thank you, Miss Warwick. Is that the final
0: caller oh, coming? Okay, go okay. ahead. The last caller is Carol Hughes.
4: Good afternoon, Ms.
11: Hughes. May I be heard?
4: Yes, you
15: can. Uh, yes. Um <clears throat> I, I I have a little problem with the uh, Eastern Market plan um for 25 million more dollars. I'm looking at their loss statement. They lost 2.1 million in 2020,
11: 2.1 million in 2021 and 2.4 million in 20-
4: Miss H- Miss Hughes, to pause her- Pause her time. Excuse me. We want to pause her time. Miss Hughes, are you with us?
15: Oh, 2022, They have not. Can you hear me?
4: Yep. We're gonna. We paused your time. We'll start it back up now. Go right ahead.
15: Okay. Well, I- I'm seeing losses on their and then I see where they have a corporation that has thirteen point seven million dollars in. Uh, net assets and they have share, they show who's making, who's losing the money. I'm the Mr. Durhall. Who's, whose losses are they? Um, my other question is you, we have land where schools are where they can take it directly to the schools and help DPS. You know, we have lots of empty schools. We have lots of land in these neighborhoods where they could have planters go into those areas. And I'm in agreement. What do you mean refugees? We're refugees in the city of Detroit. Uh, we have enough people in the city that you can take this directly to the neighborhoods and you can hire people directly in the neighborhoods. And I hope you heard him say $22 was a living wage Why you want to pay uh, our drivers, our bus drivers, um, $15. You guys are, are a joke. Listen. You, he said he had $50 million in in, in excess, and he laughed about it. While well, well, we have bus drivers that don't even make a living wage, we, we you need to pay for what we need. Eastern Market needs to get out of a public or private housing business and, and, and focus on getting food to the people. Bring bring fresh vegetables to the neighborhood. You know we have food deserts. Work for the people and stop working for corporations. And Mr. Our Councilman Derhall, you need a math class. Thank you. All right.
4: Thank you. And that concludes online public comment. All right. We will now move to our in-person public comment.
7: Yeah. Yeah. Let's ask Brenda Jones if maybe she's using that table for a dining room table, your meeting table. So, anyway, the thing on the historical tax thing, I, uh, the millage, uh, I, I object to millages, that's, that's what raises our property tax and it'll lead to more foreclosures. And they, I asked them outside the room and they said about four mills, that's what they were projecting. And if, I, I just uh, thought maybe if we could use some of the surplus to actually pay off some of the millages we already got to reduce people's taxes. Now on the farming, I uh, wanted you to go to the uh, Pentagon and ask them for funding f- so that you can bring Ukraines and Russians over here, and they could help us farm and to build housing, public housing. They're a socialist countries, so and they might know uh, better how to do it than we can. But uh, they are—that's a really a, a farming area, and why not? Get the Army Corps of Engineers to to survey the land and find the low spots. De Quinter Cut is one of the places we could bring stormwater, maybe, and have some farming around there. But you've got to figure out how to do that, and and you could be growing foods and having food. I'd like to have the eating clubs. See, they have stuff for seniors, but how about eating clubs that are linked to farms in the neighborhoods, and and around? You can do it around. Uh, the Quinter Cut, I think, is a great idea. and let, They'll have to find a different place to do their bicycling, but I do think that, that that's a low spot, and, and we could handle some of the stormwater. And uh, there's a lot of people at, at, down in Eastern Market. They're vendors. They're not growers. They just go over to the, uh, well, thank you. the thing over thank on... Thank you, Miss Dyer. I that's for two minutes. Street, but it's on Fort Street. Thank
4: you. Thank, you, thank you, Ms. Dyer. And that's
7: where they get their produce. Really All
4: right, well, thank well, you. you. All right. um, Before we close out public comment, excuse me, Ms. Dara, that's your time. Come on, Ms. Dara. Ms. Dara, we let you speak. Um, Member Durha.
2: Thank you, Madam President. And and I just want to say this really quickly, publicly on the record. Um, I I don't have a problem with public comment oftentimes when things are said against us. Uh, But I, I do think there becomes a point where it is too much and disrespectful to the staff, and the team that is around us, particularly when someone who is not of African-American descent uses a racial term, by the way, against an African-American or black man in public comment. You can express your ideas. You can express your thoughts. We are here for it. I attend community meetings all the time. I don't take things personally. I don't wear my heart on my sleeve. Whether I need a math class or not, I can I can count pretty well, done pretty well all this time. But the way these comments have been coming in now is not only becoming offensive, not just the members sitting at this table, but also staff. And that's where I draw the line. I can take it. I ran for office. I understand what that means when I ran for office. Mm-hmm. But they don't sign up to get disrespected every day, particularly in a way that is racist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so I wanted to put that on the record. I admonish all those comments that do so. You can come and address your grievances, but do it respectfully, particularly when it pertains to our staff and the folks that work here. Thank you, Madam President.
4: Thank you, Member Dorha Well stated, um, and we will uh, make sure that moving forward, if there's any comments that are racial towards uh, council members or staff, um, that you will be escorted out or your public comment would not be allowed at that point. We do want to allow everyone to speak, But again, when it becomes beyond offensive, as you stated, Member Durhaw, to racial comments and attacks towards members or staff, we will have to end your public comment. All right. So thank you, Member Durhaw, for your comments. Is there anything additional from council members? Yes, Member um, Benson?
10: I just want to concur with uh, Member Durha. That level of disrespect is is uncalled for. And just like you said, we beg for these jobs, and so we know the level of disrespect that we have to take on a daily basis, and that's okay. We signed up for it and prepared to do that. But when you do that and then you have a white person who willingly and openly calls a person of color a derogatory term of that nature and think that it's okay, that's not. It, and it level it's also cowardly, because you know that would not be tolerated outside of these rooms. You make that type of statement on the phone away And then to have the expectation that you should be treated with a level of respect when you disrespect someone of esteem. Now, Irvin Corley is a man who deserves respect, and our staff deserve that level of respect as well. They have dedicated their lives to bettering the city of Detroit. Now, at this level, you come out and give that type of disrespect knowing that if you did that in the streets, there would be furniture moving and there would be a serious problem. Yeah, you think it's okay to do it here. I have a serious problem with that and I concur with my colleagues who have stood up against that. And I'm looking forward to someone being thrown out of this room who wants to level that type of disrespect against a staff member in the future. Thank you.
4: Thank you. Wholeheartedly agree. Thank you, Member Benson. All right. Any additional comments? All right. Thank you. Um, if there is nothing else, uh, Mr. Corley, did you have anything? Are we Are good for today? Anything additional? Okay, no problem. Thank you. All right. There's nothing else to come before us. This meeting will stand adjourned. We will reconvene tomorrow at uh, 10 a.m. This meeting is adjourned.